So we're going to the Word of the Lord very quickly here this evening, and uh, I just I just want to bring some very simple things to your attention tonight, and I believe that God will speak to us. This is the last days. Does anybody believe that? The Word of God bears it out that we are in the last days. We are not looking for the last days. We are in the last days. And uh, everything you hear on the news now is just, it just points more and more to where we are, not just our world being in so deep of sin and degradation, but the nations of the world moving as it is moving right now. It, it points us to the end time. I'm not a great scholar when it comes to the book of Revelation and don't even claim to be, but here's what I do know, that, that all the things that are happening now are things that are in prophecy that is bringing the end of all time upon us. So, with that being said, we have to be better people, better Christians. We have to live a life that's pleasing to God, and we want to make sure that we are ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I, I don't know about you, but that's, that's my goal. I want to be ready when Jesus comes, and I know you do too. I want to talk a little bit tonight from the book of Colossians, what Paul wrote to the church, and uh, I hope that you'll just follow along with me. I, I, I want to do some very simple teaching tonight, and it's elementary, some of the things that I will say, but it is very needful that we understand. There, you know, I don't believe, I, I believe in repentance and baptism. I was talking to a preacher the other day. He said, you know, Acts 2.38 is pretty hard to get away from. And I said, yes, it is. He said, when they say to you, men and brethren, what must I do? And the answer is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's pretty, that's pretty cut and dried, isn't it? I don't know why the world can't see that. But I do believe that repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is a necessity of salvation. That is the way we gain salvation. But I want to tell you something. Even though we preach that people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues because we believe that is the initial sign of the Holy Ghost, I don't believe that's all it is to it. I don't believe that's the end of the journey. I believe that's the start of the journey. Amen? I don't believe that tongues is all you do and you're saved and that's it. I believe that the continuing evidence of the Holy Ghost is the fruit of the Spirit in our life. But not only that, Paul began to write in Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse, verse 1. Let me, let me just read a few verses to you, and then we're going to go back, and I want to uh, dissect a few things here tonight and talk about uh, some things that are very needful. The Bible said, if ye, if ye then, being risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Notice what it says. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, 
and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the Lord, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye have put off all these, pardon me, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. Lie not to one another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all things, put and above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So tonight, I want to talk a little bit about what we wear. Because the Bible said you got to take some things off. And it also said you got to put some things on. See, I'm not going to talk about what kind of dress you have on tonight. So don't get nervous or what kind of shirt you wore, sir. That, that's not where I'm going tonight. But I am going to talk about what a Christian needs to take off and what a Christian needs to put on. When Paul, when Paul started this in chapter 3, he said, we, we've been raised up in Christ. He said, so you have to set your heart, set your affections on things above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now we understand and just for clarification so that you will be sure to understand, we don't believe that, that when Christ is at the right hand of God that there's two there, but we know that God is a spirit. And so Christ being at the right hand of God is a position of power. And that's the way it is all through the book of God, Old Testament and New Testament. And then it said, set your affection on things above, not on earthly things. I believe tonight, and if I could just pause here for a minute, I, I was thinking about this scripture today, setting your affection upon things above. Set your mind upon things above. Setting your heart upon things above, not on earthly things. If there ever is a time, hear me and hear me well, that we as children of God need to get our eyes on him and our affections on the things of God, it's the day that we're living in. There's a lot of things <clears throat> that are vying, pardon me, vying for our affection, for our attention, for our mind. There's a lot of things reaching for us that would like to pull us away and distract us from the things that God would do in these last days. But this is why Paul said you have to set your mind or your affection, the, the new living or the, excuse me, the New International Version said that you set your minds on things above and not on earthly things. This is why. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ. When you went to the altar and repented, the flesh died. It had to die. 
And if it didn't die, then you didn't really repent. Because to turn this old man away or around, you have to turn away from some things and turn to God. You have to die in repentance. And everybody said amen. The New International Version said, when Christ, who is your life, appeared, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And the fifth verse says this, put to death. The, the King James Version said, mortify, therefore, your members. But the New International Version said, put to death, therefore, whatever, belong, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So here's where I want to come from on this uh, Wednesday evening. There's some things that we have to kill in our life. There's some things that we have to destroy in our life. There's some things that we have to take off in our life in order to be an effective child of God. Pardon me. This old voice is giving me trouble tonight. So he said, you put it to death, the things which belong to your earthly nature. And then he started naming Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. In other words, if you don't kill those things in your life, the King James Version names them fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, covetousness, which is idolatry. God can't stand that in the people that is supposed to be called Christians. He's telling you to mortify the deeds of your flesh. He said, you used to walk in that way. You used to be there. And that life is one you used to live. But you can't live there anymore. You can't be there anymore. But you must now rid yourselves of all such things as these. In other words, this is what you have to put off. The King James Version, and this is where my text comes from tonight, what a Christian must put off and put on. Here's what the King James Version said. But now ye also put off these. This is what you have to put off. And I'm going to talk about it for just a few minutes tonight, the things that God wants to take off of the children of God. And the first thing he said is anger. Now let me tell you something. We are, we are all capable of anger because it is a human thing to be angry. You get angry with your husband. You get angry with your wife. You get angry with your kids. You get angry with your boss. You get angry with a guy driving slow. Come on now. We all have anger issues. But that's not the kind of anger the Lord was talking about. But here's what the Bible said. Be angry. Who said it? Be angry and sin not. You can be angry, but you can't give them a good cussing. You know, <laughs> my wife sent me a video today. I don't know where she got it. But it was, it, was a, it was a preacher standing for his congregation. And he was, he was pretty upset because two board members had told him that he had to leave that church. And uh, they didn't like him. And he had been there and evidently had brought the church out and saved them from a lot of stuff. Anyway, long story short, 
I got so tickled because he said, he was angry, and he said to that church, and they were rallying by him. I mean, they were, they were, they were behind him. And I don't know what happened to the two board members, but I can tell you from what, from what the video showed, he, uh, he had them. I mean, he had to vote. He, he could have stayed there till he died. But he said to them, he said, I got a letter, and I'll show it to you. I have it in my possession. And, and begin to tell what they had told him. If you'll quietly resign, we'll pay you to get out of town, and we'll pay you to move, and we'll do this and we'll do that. But he said, I got to be honest with you. My flesh took over, and he said, I'm going to be honest with you. I cussed them out. Well, there's nothing like good old honesty. But you can't be angry in that manner. Everybody said amen. To be angry is properly desire, it's desire as a reaching forth of excitement of the mind. By analogy, it is violent passion. And, and sometimes it is justifiable, but sometimes it's not. It's by implication punishment. Anger is the same as indignation or vengeance or wrath in many respects. Those are synonyms. Here's what I want you to understand. It's okay to be angry but not sin because in case you didn't know it, Jesus got angry. You tell me how angry he was when he went in the temple and turned over the tables and loosed all the doves. I'm going to tell you he wasn't smiling. And he took a whip and beat them out of the temple. I would say that Jesus got angry. Everybody say amen. But the Lord said, and Paul said in the word, he said, you got to pull off anger. Anger for what? Anger that will cause you to have all against your brother. Anger that is used in the wrong way. Anger that dwells and stays. Look, here's the great thing about families. You ready? Families get angry one another, and by two hours later, they're okay. My family is the world's worst, in case you don't know this. My family, I'm talking about my kids, my us. Sometimes you think we're going to kill one another, Brother James. We just kind of say what we need to say. And a few minutes later, we're pretty much over it. Now, there's been a time or two we wasn't over it real quick. But the facts are, you can't get angry and stay angry. And you can't get angry and sin because of your anger. You don't have a right to curse them out. You don't have a right to hold a grudge. And here's what the next thing he said. He said, you don't just need to pull off anger. You need to pull off wrath. You need to take it off. It's fierceness. It's indignation. It's, 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 it's passion as if you were breathing hard. You are mad and you have wrath and you won't. You know, the disciples came to Jesus one time and he wanted just they wanted to call fire down and just destroy people. The Lord said, no, 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 no. That's, that's not the way we operate here. It's not about that kind of wrath. It's you, you just have to pull those carnal things off in order for you to destroy the old man. The next thing he said was malice. He said, when you... Verse 8, I'm reading it from the King James Version. But now you also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice. What's malice? Well, it comes from the word badness, depravity, or malignity, or passively trouble, or evil. 
Malice is naughtiness and wickedness. It's bringing something against your neighbor because you are malicious against them. Notice what God's dealing with here. He didn't say put off your shoes because they don't have your toes covered up. He didn't say pull off your shirt because it's the wrong color. He said, how about you going to work in here and getting anger out of you and wrath out of you and malice out of you? You want me to move on? Here's what he said, and blasphemy out of you. Why don't you get blasphemy out of you? Pull that off. You don't need to be blasphemous. You know, I don't believe. Now, let me, let me tell you what I, I teach and believe in this church, and I'll try not to be too long here tonight. Uh, matter of fact, I don't even want to be too long here tonight. But to be blasphemous is, is to know about something. Let me, let me back up. Here's what I believe. I don't believe you can blaspheme God or the Holy Ghost until you've had the Holy Ghost. It's just what I believe. Because I don't believe you can say something's not real that you don't know about. So there's a lot of sinners out there that say, oh, I don't believe all that, and the Holy Ghost is not really real. And I don't believe God judges them because we know that blasphemy of the Holy Ghost is the only unpardonable sin mentioned in the Bible. It's the only thing that a man can't get. And to do that, you would have to have the Holy Ghost depart from the Word of God or the works of God and deny the Holy Ghost and talk and blaspheme the Holy Ghost in your, in your everyday life. I don't believe that a man that's never had the Holy Ghost can blaspheme the Holy Ghost. That's just what I believe. To blaspheme is vilification. It's evil speaking. It's railing against something. And I've heard people rail against God that didn't know God, but God forgave them. I've heard people rail against the Holy Ghost that never had the Holy Ghost, and so they didn't understand the Holy Ghost. But Paul said, if you're going to kill the flesh, if you're going to destroy and mortify the members of your body, you need to put away blasphemy. In other words, don't do that because if you do that, you're not a child of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't ever want it to be said in my lifetime. I know enough about God to know that God is real and regardless of how big a sinner I would ever become, he's still God and he's still real. And here's what I want to tell you. You better be careful. If you've ever been filled with the Holy Ghost, don't ever talk. I'm just speaking truth tonight. Don't ever talk against the Holy Ghost. That's good stuff, whether you like it or not. And then he said, filthy communications. Filthy communications. It is just exactly what it said. Filthy communications. Isn't it amazing that these things that, that Paul mentioned here, he first of all, he said, there's things that are very obvious. You've got to mortify fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, in case you don't know what that is. Inordinate affection, go study that word. We got a lot of that going on right now. Hello. I won't even go there because I'll get to chasing a rabbit and I'll be off on the wrong trail. But he named some things to mortify. And then he went on and he said, but here's what you've got to put off. Because there's a lot of, 
I want you to listen to me right now. We have dwelt for years and years and years on what people see. And there are some things that Christians don't need to look like. And there's ways that we don't need to dress and we don't need to act and we don't need to portray as children of God because the world sees us. But that ain't all it is to it. Because you can, you can look the part and have an evil spirit. You can hate your brother. You can despise your friends. You can have anger and malice and wrath and, and all of these things that I just mentioned and nobody will see it so they don't know you got it. It will eventually manifest itself. Hello? It will eventually come out. Y'all don't get quiet on me. But the facts are, can I just put it in good old Louisiana vernacular? It ain't all about what you see. Some of it's what you can't see. Some of it's what nobody sees. And, and, and what we really are is what we are when we're by ourselves. And what we really are is what we are when nobody else is looking. What we really are is what we are on vacation. What we really are is what's not when the light's on us, but when it's dark and nobody knows what we are. That's true character. That's really what God's looking for. Amen? So you got to pull some things off. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I don't want you to leave here saying, well, pastor said it wasn't anything about what people see. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I believe what people see matters because you represent Jesus Christ. Amen? You, 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 can't, you can't look like the world looks and represent Jesus Christ. Y'all don't want me to even go there tonight. I'm just being very careful, but, you know, there's a lot. And, and look, I don't, I don't think everything that's ever been preached about behind a pulpit is a sin. Here's what I believe. If it's in this Bible, it's sin. But here's what I do know. The Bible said, be ye holy, for I am holy. And it also said, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And I'll be your God, and you be my people. I believe that scripture. Does anybody believe that with me? I want to make sure I'm on firm ground here tonight. We, we cannot just do anything we want to do and, and take it under the name of Christianity. There are some things that you don't want to be dressed in when he comes. There are some ways you don't want to look when he comes. Hallelujah. Pastor's teaching tonight, so we might get a little, little rowdy here. So we take those things off. But then he said, you don't just take things off. There's some things you got to put on. You, as a matter of fact, this scripture talks about the old man and the new man. Paul said in one place in Corinthians, he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. 
behold, old things become uh, new, right? All things become new, and old things are passed away. He said you can see that. That's the word behold. So here's what, here's what we must understand. To be real children of God, you've got to put on bowels of mercy. mercy. Bowels is that inward affection, that tender mercy toward people. You know what about mercy? I believe God has everlasting mercy, and his mercy never fails. And I believe it's new every morning. And I believe all that is from everlasting to everlasting. How many of you are thankful for the mercy of God tonight? Well, let me tell you about the mercies of God. They're great, but the mercies of men are not always so great. Amen. And you know, I read in the Bible that it said when you give mercy, you, I'm just paraphrasing, you get mercy. And I, I stand in a place, and I have for a long time, that it's very easy to judge things. It would be very easy for me to be judgmental in some areas of people's life and say, you know, but, but I've tried to operate in mercy. And I want to operate in mercy because we're just human people. We are just people that make mistakes. And everybody at some point in your life, it doesn't matter who you are, you are going to need mercy. And when you administer mercy, you receive mercy. Amen? If you're hard, mm, help you. Because when you're hard on others, it's coming back to you. It's coming back to you. So bowels of mercy, pity, it, it, it comes from the inside. It's tenderness of heart. It's merciful to those who have made mistakes. And those around you, even, even people that you really don't want to give mercy, you must show mercy. Paul said, this is what you got to put on. Furthermore, he said, you need to put on some kindness. Have you ever seen anybody that's just mean? <laughs> I know a few folks like that. You just hate to get around them. They're just mean or a snake. You don't know. You don't know what's coming next. I've been around a few men and women that were mean. But to be kind, it's 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 the character of moral excellence. It's gentleness and goodness and kindness. Kindness is, is important in the church, and especially to one another. And not just to one another, but to the world too. I believe people, I believe people notice when you're kind. There's enough malice and meanness and hard living in our world till people are looking for somebody that just will be kind. That doesn't mean you overlook sin. That doesn't mean you overlook things in your life, but but you're just, you meet, I believe Jesus was a kind man. How many of you believe that? 
I believe that that's why he could heal the leper and heal the blind eyes. And he could, he could go down and, and raise up a widow's daughter. And he could heal a lunatic son. And th- this, he was kind. He just had kindness toward people. It's usefulness. And, and the dictionary said it's moral excellence in character or demeanor. It's just being kind. It's just being nice. I used to go in a restaurant with a guy, so help me. I, I could call his name. Some of you would know him. Some of you wouldn't know him. But he, he, he didn't know how to be kind to a waitress. He didn't know how. He just said, hey, I, bring me some tea. I mean, gruff. Just mean. I, a few times I just want to reach over and put my hand over his mouth and say, would you shut up? Matter of fact, he pulled that on me in this church one time. He sat right where you were sitting, Adam. He's gone, been gone for years. You won't know him. And I went back to shake his hand one night, and I said, how you doing? He said, well, I ain't doing too good. I said, oh, what's wrong? You ain't been back there speaking to me in weeks. And old DG said, you know, the last time I walked this aisle, it's just as far from there to here as it is from here to there. And I didn't hear another one. That was it. Just me. How about being kind? Humbleness of mind. Here's what I'm telling you what Paul said. He said, you got to put off the old man with his deeds, and you got to put on a new man. Verse 10 said, you got to put on a new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, you got to strive to be like Jesus Christ. He made you, so he wants you to be like him. He said, there's neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcision or uncircumcision. He goes through all that, but he said, Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, verse 12, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Bowels of mercy, kindness, and humbleness of mind. Humiliation of mind. Modesty of mind. Humbleness of mind is humility. It's it's loneliness, the dictionary said, loneliness of mind. In other words, you've got to become humble. You can't be prideful. The opposition of of humility is pride. You can't be both at the same time. So Paul said, when you put on the new man, just get humble. You know the, does anybody here know the meekest man that ever lived? Moses. Moses. But Moses was an awesome leader. Moses was a great deliverer to the children of Israel. I I could go back and talk about Moses' life, and he had every right to be prideful, but he was a meek man. He was an humble man. The Lord wants humbleness of mind. He doesn't want us to be puffed up and proud and think we've got it all figured out and think that we're better than anybody else. Honey, I got news for you. They ain't a one of us better than the next one. We're all just people that God's had mercy on. And if it wasn't for him, wouldn't a one of us be here tonight? 
Amen. I'm no better than you are, but guess what? You ain't no better than I am. You can have more money. Yeah, ain't mean nothing. You can drive a better car. I don't care. You can live in a bigger house. I don't mean nothing. You're not better than anybody. Just take the humbleness of mind and be a man or a woman of humility. And then he said meekness, and I've already talked about Moses, but here we go. Meekness is humility. It's mildness. It's, it's, it's not being weak. It's just being meek. Moses was not weak. He was a very strong leader, but he was a man of meekness. He wasn't weak. He was powerful, but he just, he was, he was so meek and humble. And so we must become if we're going to put on the new man. I'm just taking it out of the scriptures here. If you don't like this, go get the apostle Paul out of his grave and say, I don't like what you wrote. But then he said, long suffering. Everybody say with me, long suffering. Mm, 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 mm. That means you've got to put up with people a long time. That means you can't write people off. See, I've lived long enough in, a, in the church to watch people come to God over and over. We, we used to, I mean, and still do, there's people that you get a red-hot revival going, Woo, bless God, they're on the front row, they're shouting, they're worshiping, their revival's gone, they're gone. Six months later, revival shows up again. They're back. Somebody said, why are they back? I don't know. I, I, I pretty much believe God loves those that stayed through the drought. But he also loves the others. And so you're just long-suffering. And you, you take somebody that, that is, is an addict. You take somebody that's got sin and problems in their life. And you know what? You got to have mercy on them. You got to be long suffering with them. You got to extend the hand of love to them because long suffering is forbearance. It's it's suffering long. It's having patience with people. God help me to have patience because he knows that I don't have much. I'm just admitting that tonight. But Paul said, you got to be long suffering. Did he not? And he said, forbearing one another's, bearing one another's burdens, if I could put it this way, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. In other words, loving your brother, taking his weight on your shoulder, forbearing, forbearing one another, holding one up and against maybe your own will, but to bear with and endure with and to forbear with and to suffer with. Let me tell you about the church. It's the greatest entity in the world because we love one another, and when our brother or our sister's in trouble, we forbear one another. We bear your burdens. We help you through your trial. We're going to be there to pray with you when you go through hardship. The church has got to be forbearing to you. Amen? Forgiving, he said, forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. You know what? You, and and I, I'm going to tell you what I believe about forgiveness. And I, I preach this many, 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 many times. You can't go to heaven if you can't forgive. Forgiveness is, is uh, somebody said, well, they didn't ask me. Well, you know what? Forgive them anyway. Well, they're still doing it. Let me give you some scripture. 
One of the disciples said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother? He said, till seven times? You want me to do it seven times, Lord? And he said, no, I want you to do it 70 times seven. That's 490 in case you hadn't put the pencil to it in one day. Everybody say in one day. 490 times. I've forgiven people probably 490 times in one day in my mind. <laughs> it's not easy to forgive. But, but, but now look, that don't mean that you got to be best friends with them, but you can't hold a grudge. Amen? That don't mean you got to call them, go to dinner with them every week, but you, you can't hold things in your heart against people. You got to pray over that. If you don't pray over that, your prayers will get no higher than this ceiling right here. Because Jesus talked about the man that came to pray, and he remembered not, notice this, he didn't say he remembered that he had all against his brother. He remembered that his brother had all against him. Am I right? And he said, leave your gift right there and go be reconciled unto your brother. Now, there's all kind of issues and there's things that, that happen. I'm not a fool. I live in a world just like you do. What do you do, pastor, when you, you try to talk to somebody and they won't talk? You forgive and move on. Don't let it be on your end. Amen? I've had people that I want to talk to and get it things straight, and they don't want to get things straight. I had somebody just two months ago. I said, hey, let's sit down and talk. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Always an excuse. Well, I can't be there then. I can't do that then. I can't do that. And finally they vanish. That's not my fault. I try to talk to them. And if you're trying to talk to them and they won't talk, you can't control that. Here's what you can control. Your time with God, your attitude, your heart, everything's got to be right between you and the Lord. Come on, somebody. He said forgiving one another. You can't sit over here and hold a grudge against somebody over here for five years. Number one, you ain't doing nothing but destroying yourself. Amen? I, I, I can honestly say this. I can honestly say this. I don't hold one grudge against anybody in this world that I can think of. I really don't. I've turned it all over to Jesus. I put it all in the hands of Jesus. And I'll be willing to stand before the Lord because you see, I'm not going to hell over you, 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 you. You ain't sending me to hell. If I go to hell, it'll be over me, and I'm not going to hell. Somebody help me in here now. He said, you forbear one another, but not only do that, you got to forgive one another. It doesn't matter what they've done. You just got to forgive them. People are difficult. Did y'all Have y'all ever figured that out? Some people don't want peace. Some people don't want to have peace. They want to be difficult. And some folks, if you don't do it their way, they're never going to be peaceful. Hello. And then the last one that he talked about, here's something you have to put on, charity. Everybody say charity. He said you got to put on charity, and charity is love. He said, above everything else, put on charity. You do this above any of the other things I've said, you put on charity. Here's why. 
because charity will cover everything else. If you have charity, you can't be unkind. If you have charity, you can't be unforgiving. If you have charity, you can't, you can't be unforbearing, if that's a real word. You, you can't put on bowels of mercy if you don't have charity. But when you have charity, all the other things, kindness and humbleness of mind and meekness and long-suffering, they're going to all fall in line when you have charity. If you want to know the greatest love chapter of the Bible, go read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The whole chapter is on charity. And that word charity means love. So when you do all these things, you just wrap yourself up in love and put on the love of God. The love of God. Man, if I could, exp I can't even explain it. Have you ever wondered why God loved you? Have you ever wondered why the Lord loved you? He loved us when we were unlovable. He loves us when we're bad. I've often said this, and I'm, I'm hurrying to a close. I've often said this. Listen to me. You can't be good enough for God to love you anymore. You can't do enough good for God to love you one ounce more. But here's the other, here's the flip side of that. You can't be bad enough for God to love you any less. He just loves you. And when we find the love of God and charity grips our heart, and we understand what love really is. I could go to 1 Corinthians 13, and we could talk another hour just about love. But he said, if you, you, it doesn't matter if you speak in tongues. He said, if you don't have love, you're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It doesn't matter what all you do. You, you could have your body to be burned, but you don't have love. You could prophesy, but... If, you don't have love. You can do all the things that, that are good, but if you don't have love, he said you're nothing because love trumps everything. And let me tell you, the gospel is built around the love of God. The truth is built around the love of God. Everything that we believe is built around the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Why? Because he loved the world. He loved people. He loved mankind. He loved it so much that he left the ivory palaces of glory and stepped his foot upon Mother Earth and became a human fleshly body just like you and I are today. And he walked 33 and a half years in a body because he loved us. He didn't have to do that. He was tempted in all things such as we are. He went to Calvary and gave himself on a cross. He came down and went in a grave and rose again. And he became victor over death, hell, and the grave. Why? Because he loved people. You want to know what, what this is all about? It's the love of God. So he said, you got to have affection. you got to have benevolence. you got to have love. you got to have charity. you got to put it in your, you got to put that on you if you're going to be a servant of God. Could I tell you tonight on this Wednesday night that, that you need to just rip off some things off of you and say, get out of here. That's no longer in my plan. That's no longer in my lifestyle. That's no longer in my system. 
take it to an altar. Bury it before the cross. And then get up and put on the things that God wants you to put on. Because this is why, this is why he talks about an old man and a new man. Because that old stuff, we all got it whether we want it or not. We got it by nature. Amen. Nobody had to teach you that. Adam gave you that. Nobody had to teach you how to be angry. Nobody had to teach you how to have malice. You don't have to teach a kid how to be angry. You got to take that out of them. Because they'll start throwing stuff, stomping their feet, spitting on you. Am I right? I raised three kids, I know. You don't have to teach them how to be angry. That comes natural. You got to teach them how to be kind. You got to teach them how to love. See, so, so some things that, that we are, we're just that way. So you can't blame it on your daddy. You can't blame it on your mama. You can't blame it on your sister or your brother. Well, it's just an inheritance. No, it's not. It's a carnal, Adamic nature. It's how you got to where you are today. But the facts are, when you come to Jesus and he buries you and baptizes you with the Holy Ghost, you became a new man. You're a new person. And so you pull off the old man and you set your affections on the things that are above. And you say, God, I'm going to walk holy and upright before you because I want to be the man that God wants me to be. Stand all over this house with me tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the word of the Lord tonight. Thank you for truth here this evening. Just simple truth. Just simple truth. Pull us, oh, Lord, to, to, your, to your side and, and wrap your arms around us and take anger and hatred and malice and strife and envy and all the things that are so carnal and so human. Take them off us, Lord. Take them off us, Lord. But put upon us the love of God. And with that love will come bowels of mercy and kindness and long-suffering and forbearance and forgiveness. Just put it on us, Lord. Let us slip that cloak on tonight and let us wear it out of here. I want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like you. If I'm a child of God, I want to take after my heavenly Father. I want to be just like you, Jesus. Jesus.